Khalil and Vetter. We got the shot. There, there we, we go. go. It's next. <laughs> Tonight, high stakes, uh, skeptical Supreme Court questions kicking Trump off the ballot in Colorado. I thought the presentation today was a very good one. I think it was well received. And the justices have some harsh words for Trump's lawyers. Why can't a billionaire former president do better? Close the gate. President can do it just by saying, I want the border closed. With all due respect, that didn't happen in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. The border fight now pits Republican against Republican. How did Democrats get so lucky? Show me the money. How Democrats justify a blank check for Ukraine while arguing they want to cut off Israel. And hold your horses. Yahoo! A wants to rein in merry-go-rounds. Apparently, kids riding wooden horses could harm the real thing. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, you might call it historic confusion. Special counsel investigating President Biden's handling of classified documents says he will not face criminal charges. That should be good, even even fantastic news for the White House. They would love to move on from questions about Biden holding classified documents next to his Corvette. There were some pictures of documents next to clothes and lots of other stuff in the report. That's not the problem for the White House. The report is a disaster for the White House. The special counsel goes on to say a conviction would be near impossible because a jury would see him as, quote, a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. The report discusses one of the special counsel's interviews with Biden. He did not remember when he was vice president. He did not remember even within several years when his son, Bo died. And according to the special counsel, Mr. Biden, the president of the United States memory was hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. These are the words of the special counsel, not ours. There are no both sides in this. The report is a damning verdict on the president's mental fitness. It's unlike anything ever said, released, talked about involving a sitting president in modern times. And President Biden responded just a few hours ago, seeming to say, well, he was tired when he spoke to the general counsel, just as he was dealing with an international crisis. I was so determined to get a special counsel what they needed. I went forward with a five-hour in-person interview over the two days of October the 9th, 8th and 9th last year, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th. You want to believe him, right? We all want to believe him because we all need the president to be of sound mind. But that case gets harder and harder to make. Just this week, Biden said he spoke with Francois Mitterrand in 2021. Mitterrand died in the 1990s. Yesterday, President Biden twice at different events said he spoke with Helmut Kohl in 2021. Kohl also died decades ago. He then mixed up Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel. Days later, reporters had to remind him of the terror group that struck Israel on October 7th. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition, but um, Yes, I'm sorry. We're from Hamas. Beginning tonight with political analyst Anoushe Hossein and Lauren Wright, associate research scholar, lecturer at Princeton University. Ladies, nice to have both of you. Uh, Welcome. Start with you. Um, I think reasonable people can agree that this report is a big problem for the president. How does he fix it? I think that's a really important question, but I think with the Dems, we are really, you know, crunch for time here. I think that the president needs to make a clear contrast between what the Democrats are going to do for abortion and what Trump is going to do. We need to focus back on the fact that American women's health is on the ballot in 2024. Is Donald Trump old? Is Biden old? It's not about age. It's about women's health and bodily autonomy. I think we need to go back. Look, to abortion, abortion has worked. You and I have talked about this in a number of different oh, yeah. different states. Yep. Um, 
where think about Ohio uh, and the like. I almost think from just a purely political standpoint, if you look at the polling, Lauren, that probably an indictment politically for Joe Biden on mishandling classified documents may have been better than what this report said. Politically, maybe. And the real risk is Trump will now seize on this and make fun of Biden. I bet it's even going to get into the picture of the lamps and the boxes and the mess and look what a mess he has. And I don't have a mess like that. It looked beautiful. It was so nice. Anyway, I don't do a Trump impression, so I'll put that aside. Thank you. I do think, thank you, you're welcome. I do think that focusing on the age issue for Republicans is not the best strategy because they're taking away attention from the policies. I don't know a voter or a population that I'm trying to think of that would say, okay, Joe Biden's old, so now I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, who's almost as old. There are voters who will say Biden has wrecked the economy and done this illegal immigration crisis badly and all these other things, so I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. I don't know if age is decisive in the way Republicans hope it will be. You brought up women's health, which I think has obviously been in a big issue and a big winner for Democrats. But then I think about progressives, which I think you count yourself as one of. And you think about where President Biden hasn't delivered, hasn't delivered on the George, George Floyd Policing Act, hasn't delivered uh, on student debt forgiveness, hasn't de- delivered on uh, Palestine, on, on supporting uh, the Palestinians in Gaza and cracking down on Israel. And in polling, he might lose to Donald Trump. I think we can agree right now it's a, fl- a, a coin flip. Why are progressives especially not trying to replace him with somebody who you all feel has a better chance? I think that conversation is really a waste of everyone's time. No one is going to replace Joe Biden right now. He is the candidate. What's really important, though, about women's health is that 65,000 rape victims in the world's richest democracy, which is America, were not able to get life-saving abortions since Dobbs has been overturned. So not only do we need to focus back onto women's health, it's not just an abortion issue. It's between a complete abortion ban and bodily autonomy. Uh, so it's important people understand that women in America uh, I, are fighting for more than just uh, right to an abortion. Uh, Lauren, get us back to the age issue and how for President Biden, it, you know, the obvious way to solve this, right, is to go give a couple of big interviews to even sure. even skeptical press journalists, anything. a couple of press conferences, yes. something like that. And he goes, look, uh, yeah, I was tired on October 9th and October 10th, but here I am. I can do it. We had Bill O'Reilly on the program on Monday who spoke about that issue. Take a listen. Sure. But Joe Biden's handlers, including his wife, who is growing in influence, Joe Biden, they don't know what he's going to say from hour to hour. They cannot put him out there because... If a tough question is lodged, nobody knows whether Biden is capable of answering it without blowing himself up. How much of the age issue is baked in for Joe Biden? Is, is there a sort lot. of a, is there a YOLO point to this? At some point, it, it may not be anything that they have to lose by putting him out. Well, that's true. That's sort of like a floor effect in statistics when things can't get worse. That's exactly what that is. But the ironic part of this is it would be extraordinary for Trump to have a general election debate with Joe Biden where he's sharper and he's kind of good in this entertainment environment. Ironically, Biden will use the excuse that Trump skipped debates, so I don't have to do this. And well, we already heard him nobody, sort of say something like that. Yes, and so we might not even get a general election debate because... This is a weakness of Biden's. But I do think it's baked in. I think it's Mm. baked in for both of them. I don't think it changes much. All right. Ladies, thank you very much. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Always. Thank you. All right. At long last, Republicans made immigration a central issue in American politics. They've been trying for a decade. Just think about this past week. Negotiations over a Senate border bill dominated cable news discussions. The beating of New York cops by illegal immigrants even shamed New York's liberal governor into talking about deportations. Yet somehow in the past 48 hours, Democrats have figured out how to get Republicans to fight with each other over the border. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson, for example, went after fellow Texas Republican Chip Roy. I love Chip Roy, but Chip Roy is a major pain in the for all of us a few times. According to media, Jackson then said Roy could use a code red beatdown from a few good men. So far, as much as we can tell, no beatdown has occurred, and Chip Roy uh, is with us now. Uh, good to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, how did Democrats pull this off? 
Well, look, I mean, what we're seeing here is Democrats set this up purposely. Uh, they knew full well this bill wasn't going to become law. A couple of Republicans went along uh, for the ride, which was a mistake. Uh, but the uh, Democrats are going to try to blame Republicans for not signing on to legislation uh, that had no chance of actually securing the border. Our job is to keep doing what we've been doing successfully, uh, making clear to the American people that Joe Biden, which they know, uh, has left the border wide open to endanger the American people, allowing to empower cartels, fentanyl to pour in, kill our kids, uh, mm-hmm. terrorists to get in, criminals to get in, criminals to beat cops and get let out on bail. All of those things the American people see with their eyes. Uh, we passed H.R. 2. We did it a year ago. It would have secured the border. Uh, what you're really seeing in real time is the fact that the swamp, uh, the uniparty, Republicans who have been for too long in the hip pocket of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the only beatdown that's actually going on is that the people that have been, you know, kowtowing to the swamp, they're right. the ones getting beat down. And so that's right. what we're seeing happen. There's a real struggle Tell- going on in D.C., how we right, right. I, I get that, Congressman. I get that, Congressman. But at some point, Republicans are going to have to put some wins on the board. You can't just keep saying, "Hey, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem." At some point, you got to you got to let good be be the result, not great or perfect. You, you're letting perfect perhaps be the enemy of good. Do you? Speaking of wins, Speaker no. Mike Johnson called called the floor vote. Um, in order to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, uh, that failed. Uh, Reasonable people can agree it was pretty embarrassing um, for Republicans. Do you think the speaker made a mistake by not waiting for Steve Scalise to get back before calling that vote? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, let me just take issue with the perfect, the enemy, the good uh, characterization. Uh, the fact of the matter is H.R. 2 would actually do the job. The Senate bill would not have. The Senate bill would have made it worse. The Senate bill would have basically codified mass migration and the Democratic policies. We were right to oppose it. Uh, the Democrats are trying to use it as a beard. Uh, we need we need reforms that will actually do the job. Uh, okay. We're making that case and we're, we're winning people over. But you got to have the votes. Right. And right now you point out the impeachment vote. Um, I don't know. You can talk to the whip and talk to the speaker. Uh, we got 212 out of 215 Republicans to say that the Secretary of Homeland Security should be impeached. That's the first time in 147 years you've had that that many votes say that should happen. Hopefully, when Steve Scalise comes back, he's battling cancer. He's an MD Anderson. Uh, we'll get the votes. Uh, I wish that hadn't occurred that way. Um, I don't know what happened with the whip count there, whether they thought a Democrat wasn't there in town. But when you have a basically two or three person majority, this is what this is what you're dealing with. So we're going to keep proceeding. He should be. I got a lot of things to get to. I just want to put a pin in this. So you think it was a mistake or yeah. not? To call well, the vote. I mean, they, they have to. Well, I mean, it was in the end, the end product was a mistake. But look, this is the whole conversation people are tired of. They want to see us get it done. But let's be very clear. We need to actually secure the border. Impeaching my orcas needs to happen because he deserves to be held to account for what he's done to the American people. But the fact okay. is, it'll go to the Senate and it'll go to the Senate and it will die. The reality is we have a Democratic president who doesn't give a rat's rear end about you or anybody else in this country dealing with wide open borders. We have a Chuck Schumer and a Democrat-led Senate that doesn't care. We have Democratic colleagues in the House of Representatives that don't care that little girls get raped in stash houses in Texas. You, you, you said, uh, for, 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 forgive, forgive me for a second. I don't, I, I'm wondering, yeah. uh, we, made, we made the point on the show that it's not that they don't care about open borders, that open borders is the policy. Um, which I yeah. think was one, which is one you might agree with. We're, we're in a situation, yeah. though, right, where you've, you've now got the Senate bill, uh, that, uh, the clean bill, if you will, that uh, allowed uh, about $100 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Taiwan that's now going to come, and now there's going to be a lot of pressure. You know the media is going to put a lot of pressure uh, on the House to vote up or down on that bill. Uh, enormous yeah, amounts of pressure. Right, yeah. but but there's going to be a lot a lot of pressure to do it. Wouldn't it have been better to at least get something, something even the Border Patrol no. Union endorsed? No. Yeah, of course the Border Patrol Union wanted that. These are friends of mine. They want any relief they can get. But my job is not to permanently ensconce mass migration policies just because the Democrats have opened up the floodgates. The fact is, we would have made that absolutely permanent with having alternatives to detention. You know what that is? Releases. You know what it is when you say that unaccompanied children can come in and it's not going to count against the cap? It means that 5,000 wasn't really a cap. It means little kids would be the golden ticket for people to come here. It was a horrid bill. 
It was a ridiculous bill. It was an embarrassing bill that would have made it worse. The fact is, we shouldn't be negotiating with the enemy who wants our borders to be wide open, where you flood the zone with well, criminals do, and terrorist uh, sympathizers do, do, do to respect, come into the Congress, United States. Con- Congressman, I'll give you the last word here, but you just said yeah. negotiating with the with the enemy. Um, yeah. They they are duly elected, um, and and that's the yeah. way Washington works. That's the way our system of government works: is that you negotiate with the other side, you compromise, uh, you, you you put something together that not everybody might love, right. but that that works. Right. And is you start with something that would actually required? enforce the rule of law. No. You start with what will actually do the job and secure the border and, and honor the rule of law. The fact is we have laws on the books right now that would secure the border of the United States if we follow True. them. The fact is we passed legislation that would tighten the loopholes that are being used to exploit our border to dump people into the United States and endanger the American people. What we shouldn't do is accept the premise that codifying mass migration at the level of 5,000. Jay Johnson, Barack Obama, Secretary of Homeland Security, said 1,000 was a problem. These guys want to say if 5,000 is a number? Look, this no, is it, so laughably unacceptable. It was not, it was dead on arrival. They know it was dead on arrival. They're doing it to have this conversation so the American people can be told, oh, you should go compromise with these guys because they're telling you, oh, oh, we do 10,000, you take 5,000. The answer should be zero. You don't release people into the United I, States. Our law doesn't say release people. They're doing that against the law. We should defend the law instead of compromising with people who want to undermine your safety and security and use little girls and children as tickets for them to build masses, for them to have districts where they can flood the zone with voters. I appreciate appreciate your passion, um, and I also appreciate you always being willing to come on uh, and talk about it, even though you've been put in some difficult positions uh, in the past, even by some of your own own colleagues. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you. We appreciate it. We'll see you back here in D.C., all right? Yeah, thank you. Next... Can the Supreme Court finally get its mojo back? How nine justices might be the big winner in the Trump ballot case. And this is real. We didn't make this story up, I promise. PETA wants to ban merry-go-rounds. Merry-go-rounds. PETA makes their case when we come back. incredible thing might happen out of the Supreme Court. Based on today's arguments, there's a chance that justices could vote nine to zero in favor of Donald Trump. Today, the court heard arguments from lawyers that argued Colorado could keep Trump off the ballot under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, also known as the Insurrection Clause. Things did not go well for those wanting to keep Trump off the ballot. Just ask the commentators at MSNBC. This argument did not go well for the Trump challengers, and that's to put it mildly. I probably have some other adjectives that I won't um, say on air. There is clearly, I think, five votes, if not nine votes, um, that are going to reverse this case. Nine to zero would be pretty something. That would mean the six Republican-appointed justices and the three appointed by Democrats, speaking of them. Here's Obama appointee Justice Elena Kagan questioning Colorado's lawyer. What's a state doing deciding who gets to, um, uh, who, who other citizens get to vote for for president? Colorado is not deciding who other states get to vote for for president. It's deciding how to assign its own electors under its Article II power. And the Constitution grants them that power. Well, but the effect as- of that is obvious, yes? No, Your Honor, because different states can have different procedures. Some states may allow insurrectionists to be on the ballot. Nine to zero would change everything. Public trust in the Supreme Court's plummeted over the past 20 years. Another split decision on a controversial issue would bring more questions of the court legitimacy or give energy to those who want the court expanded. None of the justices want either of those. Nine to zero solves a lot of those problems and creates big problems for the media. They all hate Trump. And how will they attack a unified Supreme Court? How can it be the MAGA Republican Supreme Court when it's 9-0? Tom Dupree's here, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General under George W. Bush, the man we turn to uh, at times like this. Good to see you, sir, as always. Look, you predicted that this wasn't going to go well for the Colorado lawyers. Did you think it was going to go this badly? 
Probably not. Maybe not this badly. But look, I, I always said that they had an uphill battle, and it would not surprise me at all, to your point, if this ends up being a unanimous decision. We heard very skeptical questioning today from both Justices Sotomayor and Jackson, who you would think would not be in the Trump camp, but very skeptical of Colorado's position. And I think in a larger sense, there would be a great interest, an institutional interest, really, in producing a unanimous decision, if that's at all possible. I don't think it's out of the question. And you can bet that Chief Justice Roberts this evening is scratching his head, trying to figure out if there's a way to craft a majority opinion that would command unanimity. Because you're absolutely right. If the Supreme Court could speak with a unanimous voice in this case, which of all cases you would expect to be politically polarizing, but if they can achieve unanimity and speak with a single voice, I think a a lot of Americans would look at the court and say, well, hey, maybe this actually was decided on the basis of the law and our Constitution, not on politics. It took an hour for really what insur- if, if Donald Trump is an insurrectionist to even come up uh, in the arguments. I think for for lay people, that would be pretty surprising. Pull back the curtain for us in terms of why the in- insurrection and the insurrection clause doesn't really matter. Sure. The, the reason why it doesn't really matter whether he actually engaged in an insurrection or not is because before you even get to that question, you have to figure out how this whole 14th Amendment process for disqualifying people for insurrections works. And if you think, as it appeared that maybe a majority of the justices think that it doesn't work this way, in other words, a state like Colorado can't just unilaterally disqualify someone from their presidential ballot, well, then the question whether Trump engaged in an insurrection or didn't doesn't really matter. It becomes a moot point, and it's not a question the justices ever have to answer. And I can bet you that there are a few, if any, justices on the court who would be eager to dive into that question about whether former President Trump engaged in an insurrection. They would much rather decide this question on the basis of the law. All right, just some breaking news that we're getting in just in the, literally the past couple of seconds. Just added to the president's schedule, uh, President Biden speaks at 745 uh, 20 minutes from now in the diplomatic reception room. A very late add to the president's schedule this evening. Um, and something very unusual. I don't remember this happening with the Biden administration uh, for an awfully long time, uh, if ever. So we'll keep an eye on that and continue on uh, here. So I guess this would be my my final question for you. How difficult is it if, if 9-0 is sort of where perhaps the court wants to go and it would it would make things pretty fun for the media to try to figure out how to cover that and what that means. But if 9-0 is where we want to go, the court wants to go, how how narrow does the decision then become just about Donald Trump? How, how does the court get out of this with sort of the least damage to the court, if you will? Right. Well, one way they could do it is they could simply say that This 14th Amendment provision doesn't work unless and until Congress passes a law implementing it. That was one of the things the lawyers were debating at length today, whether the 14th Amendment is what lawyers call self-executing, meaning it just disqualifies people on its own, or whether you need Congress to pass a law saying, here's how the disqualification process works. If the Supreme Court went down that road, that would give them, I think, a very narrow basis for deciding it. And it's one that would enable them to steer clear of those thorny questions like did former President Trump engage in insurrection. All right, uh, Tom, it's good to see you as always. Thank you very much. Uh, as we just noted, Thanks. some breaking news here uh, at uh, 7.25 now to 7.27 uh, Eastern time. We just got a note uh, from the pool. Uh, that is the White House team that uh, follows the president along. Updated guidance now. Uh, the president will deliver remarks in the diplomatic reception room, uh, pre-credentialed media and pooled TV uh, gathering here. So this is about as unusual uh, a thing as you get uh, for the president, uh, especially for President Biden. Uh, this email went out uh, at 722. So them saying that the president will address the nation here in about 20 minutes. Uh, it is difficult to imagine that this is not a situation of grave import. President Biden rarely speaks uh, at night here. He spoke earlier today. Uh, And this sort of snap address to the country uh, by President Biden uh, is very unusual. He spoke earlier today about the special counsel report that cleared him. Uh, It's unclear what the pressing matter is at this hour uh, that the president would then come and speak to the nation. We have our White House team working on this uh, as we speak to try and get a little bit more information about what the president uh, is going to talk about uh, here this evening.
745 in the past, we've known President Biden to have those times slip just a little bit. Uh, We're looking here and we're trying to uh, get some guests here to be able to talk uh, about the president's address. And we press on here. Our friends at PETA have a new fight in their quest for animal welfare. Merry-go-rounds as it is. PETA's president writes animal-themed carousels unintentionally celebrate the exploitation of sentient beings. Uh, and with that, we bring in PETA's spokeswoman. It's nice to see you. Thank you very much. Uh, really? So, obviously, we're sending this public letter to the presidency of Chance Rides because PETA entities receive hundreds of thousands of complaints every year from people who witness cruelty to animals like camels, horses, donkeys, elephants, and other animals that are forced to carry and interact with tourists around the world. And whether they mean to or not, the carousel animal figures made by Chance Rides promote this abuse because they're showing animals, uh, children from a young age that they can ride on animals. So we're asking them to stop manufacturing animal shake figures and only sell non-animal carousel designs that don't encourage or promote the use of real animals for rides or any other reason. Okay, look, I admire a lot of the work you guys do and this, the stuff you've done on slaughterhouses, the stuff you've done on dog breeding, on and on and on. At some level, doesn't this kind of cheapen the PETA brand when you're going after wooden statues? Well, these statues are one of, you know, an early childhood memory for many young people, and it helps inflict in them a sense that animals are okay to ride. And, you know, we've seen from undercover exposés horrific abuse of camels used for rides in Egypt, for example, or another PETA Asia investigation of horses, camels and donkeys used in Petra, Jordan, uh, that reveal that these animals suffer from untreated sores and lameness and they're forced to carry and people and their heavy baggage, even when they're too exhausted to carry on. And even here in the U.S., horses are used for carriage rides and they're often forced so to let me, let me just ask you. Let me just ask you. Let me stop you. And I, I promise it'll be the last question. I, I guess it, it, what's what's next? I mean, is, it, let's just take the, the animal products off the table for a second. Is ve- like are vegan peeps OK? Vegan animal crackers. Is that where this is headed? Why don't you mention animal crackers? In 2018, PETA urged Nabisco to redesign its Barnum's animal cracker packages to show animals living in the wild instead of them living behind bars trapped in circus boxcars. And they did. They made that compassionate and business savvy decision. So many companies are seeing that they don't want to promote education to animals. Fair enough. You got me there. Marissa, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Back now, live pictures uh, of the White House. It it is difficult to explain how unusual what we are seeing right now is. President Biden uh, will address the country in about 14 minutes. At least that's what we are told. Um, We are told that. I don't think in the Biden administration, at least as long as I have been anchoring television news in the Biden administration, uh, that there was ever this late of an ad. A 20-minute snap count from when the White House said the president will speak. Uh, to the appointed hour of 7.45. The president's remarks when we come back. Welcome back. We begin now or continue with our breaking news coverage. You're looking at the diplomatic reception room at the White House, a place that President Biden often gives remarks. Uh, The presidential podium is there with the seal About 20 minutes ago, the pool, which is the uh, small group of reporters that are assigned on a daily basis to rotate by network uh, to cover the president, was called and told that President Biden would address the nation at 745. So about a 20 to 25 minute snap count. As long as I have been covering this White House, uh, that has not happened. Uh, President Biden spoke earlier today, actually just about four or five hours ago, three, three hours ago, three and a half hours ago in Virginia, where he addressed the special counsel report uh, that came out today and cleared him of any criminal activity uh, in the classified documents case. That was him having classified documents at his home. He addressed that. So as far as we know, there are no outstanding issues right now for President Biden to talk about. Um, we'll stay away from wild speculation about what he might address, but Uh, The unusualness of this for any president uh, is extreme. Uh, You go back to times like when President Obama 
uh, called the media at about midnight uh, to address the country uh, to announce the death of Osama bin Laden. Uh, with back with Lauren Wright, uh, who studies the presidency. This is about as unusual as you get. Really unusual, and thank you for saving us from the wild speculation, although my brain is doing all kinds of things right yes. now. I would say based on history, like you said, this is probably foreign policy related if we look at the instances that are a surprise like this. However, the fact that there's been no leaks, no anything, no information at all tells us that probably it's something the American public and the press know less about than they typically would than domestic policy, which typically there are leaks on domestic policy. I'm just thinking also about the, the pageantry of this, right? Yes. This The diplomatic room is not where you come out for a major address. It is a little bit more reserved for sort of an intimate speech. It's not the Oval Office. Yep. Um, it's not any of the corridors. It's not any of the, the halls we've seen. It's also not where President Obama spoke um, when he addressed uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden. Uh, it it's it's pretty unusual um, what we're seeing. What effects do these have, these kinds of speeches, these kinds of moments have on a presidency? Typically, if it's planned, nothing to be really, you know, pretty cynical about it. Biden's first primetime address ever to the nation got 13 million viewers. The Super Bowl gets 200 million, just to put that in perspective. So typically, primetime addresses are no longer fertile ground for presidents to get maximum eyeballs. However, I actually think the fact that this is a big surprise, that we don't know what to anticipate, will have the opposite effect because it's just the element of, and there aren't many secrets in Washington, D.C., of what is he going to say, and many Americans are wondering just as we are. Yeah, the, the, the unusualness also for this, this White House that does not do things um, spur of the moment. The, the Trump White House uh, certainly did more of that. They're a little bit more disciplined than uh, the Trump uh, White a little, House. A little, a, a little bit would be an understatement. Yeah. Um, and in the, the, the diplomatic room is right next to the elevator, so he'll, he can come down from the residence if he's still there. I, I don't know if we have anybody uh, on Pebble Beach. That's where the reporters stand uh, looking at the White House. We'd see if the Marine Guard was out front to tell us whether the president was still in the Oval uh, or whether he had retired to the residence where the lights are on. Uh, Chris is with us now. Uh, boy, uh, our evening changed quickly. I know. Listen, this is very old school, handsome. I I remember when it always was like this, uh, where you'd be scrambling to get the White House correspondents to learn anything. Uh, The element of surprise, the unknown, nothing stokes us in the media as much as that. So uh, this, in terms of political tactics, is a smart way to do it. Um, Why? Well, you have to believe, even though the president addressed the DOJ stuff earlier today, if they gave any indication that it had anything to do that with that. He would have had a full half hour here of people uh, basically saying he was non-compass mentis, according to the special counsel. So even if that is what it's about, it was it was smart for them to keep it quiet. Yeah, he, he addressed it. You know, the, the White House had a copy of the special mm-hmm. counsel investigation before we all did. So they they knew what was in it. They had their response right. planned. The, the remarks by President Biden were scripted. Um, there in in Virginia where he responded to it about the issues of his uh, memory uh, that the special counsel was pretty brutal on. How much of this, Chris, I mean, your mind sort of goes to all sorts of different things, but at some level, this is a president who's been really criticized, especially as it relates to the retaliatory strikes in the Middle East, for not addressing the country, right? right? Uh, You know, last Friday night when when the strikes were happening, you and I were on air, the president didn't talk. We all all noted that uh, last night. Uh, the U.S. took out a leader of Qatab Hezbollah with a, mm-hmm. a drone missile strike. Um, th- this is sort of very old school presidential, but the 20 minutes and not asking for time from the networks. Normally, if you're going to do a primetime address, you give a little lead time. You ask all three broadcast networks for time. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this if, if it happens at 745. He's doing this before primetime programming on the broadcast nets, which means there's a reasonable chance uh, they'll break in and take it. Yeah. I mean, you know, why, you know, they ask out of a function of tradition and some arcane language uh, in the FCC guidelines. You know, you got to remember back in the old days of television, uh, the people own 
the airwaves. So there is a commitment from all of those who get a license to do public service. One of the things is bringing the voice of leaders uh, in emergencies and those emergency broadcasts uh, that my generation grew up with, where the screen would go blank and you would just hear a tone for a while as a test of the emergency broadcasting system. Um, so look, uh, tactically, this was smart for them uh, to keep it quiet. Uh, I am very surprised he's coming out unless it's about something completely different. Uh, because the special counsel's report, there's absolutely yeah, no upside for the president. Even no. the idea that there was um, no need for charges, it's absurd and an extension of the new politics of prosecuting your opponents that there was even a special counsel looking at it. Um, you know, th this is the new normal where everything yeah. that should be a political question gets um, litigated. The upside is that they say no, you know, no reason for a case. The downside is the reason that this special counsel said we don't believe there was any criminal intent is that he seems to question the president of the United States ability to form intent. Yeah, no, he questioned his mental fitness. And he said a jury would find him as a, an old man, a kind old man who didn't sort of have the capacity to form intent and with the memory necessary. He talked about how he, he didn't even remember the president. This is didn't remember when his uh, son died uh, in terms of uh, a span of years. He forgot that. Um, I, I guess Chris, the, the other way to look at this is right. Um, it's sort of like an OK, you're going to put out a report that's going to question my mental fitness. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Uh, I see Lauren nodding along with me. Uh, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to I'm going to do a snap count uh, primetime address at 745 and I'm going to announce something important to the nation. And I'm going to look like the commander in chief. Lauren, does one address change people's mind? I was just thinking this exact point because we were talking earlier in the show about what he needs is a really lengthy interview or a press conference. No, this is neither. Maybe it's more scripted. However, those have been pretty big wins for him. His speech on Israel Hamas was extraordinary, um, according to even analysts who have been critical. His first State of the Union address was very good. He was a little bit quick on his feet, and he had a very solid message. And so, yes, this would be a yeah. win for him, and you're right about the context. I think that is the backdrop that's yeah. relevant. Uh, Chris, I think about sort of the settings in these. Uh, you've been in the White House as well. Uh, there is, as we understand it, the pool with him. So there will be, it's not like a standard Oval Office address where it's just a camera uh, with a backup camera. Uh, there are journalists who will be in the room with him. You think he's going to take questions after the address? Should, uh, probably not. I'm not as concerned about the Super Bowl thing. I think that's more for the media to, to banter about uh, than it's any impact on him in terms of what it means for the campaign. Um, I don't understand why he's mean, not doing it. You mean it. him not doing the Super Bowl interview? Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised he's not doing it because I, I thought that would be a big comfort zone for him. I, yeah. You know, he, he knows a lot about football. He likes to talk about football. So I'm, I'm surprised um, that he didn't take the opportunity. I don't think it matters to him. I think it matters to us because we like to have opportunities to scrutinize people in power. Um, but, you know, look, as you mentioned earlier, well, you say opportunity. I mean, that, that's sort of I mean, we like to have opportunities to scrutinize people in power. I think the American people also like to hear uh, their president uh, questioned and have people ask them, ask, yeah, ask that's them not questions really and get that, their views. That's not what that interview is about. Um, that's that's not a no, that's foot what, to what, the that's, fire what, that's how many wings you're going to have. I mean, the last the last yeah. guy to really do a, a hard hitting interview in the Super Bowl was Bill O'Reilly of President Obama. Right. Uh, where they were at least had an exchange. Uh, yeah. of ideas, although I never felt that Bill uh, had the performance that he believes he did in that interview, but that's kind of far for the course. You know, you said something earlier uh, that I, I think you may be on. It's weird for the president to have taken a fairly significant uh, military action on behalf of the Americans and not have said anything about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what, what it is about. All right, so it's 3, 3 a.m. It'd be 3.45 a.m. right now in the Middle East. Um, at least from my sources over there, I haven't heard of anything significant happening right. um, in, the past, in the past couple of hours in terms of big explosions or an expansion of U.S. military um, action. The other, the other thing, just as we go through the list, right, mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a Tucker Carlson interview of Vladimir Putin. Putin. Yeah. Uh, today, which you can sort of was timed uh, along with the, the votes in Congress for the aid bills uh, to Ukraine and to Israel. Uh, you can imagine that uh, perhaps I don't know if the president's trying to counter that now, trying to put pressure on the House uh, as it relates to Ukraine, which is an issue near and dear to his heart. 
Um, I got to tell you, for a two-hour interview, um, there's not a lot <laughs> for the president to chew on in terms of, you know, what to kind yeah. of want to blow out. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting uh, exercise in, um, you know, stalling e- even for Putin, although there was one really interesting thing that came up in it. I don't think that's why the president is going to address uh, the nation. No, I don't if, if it is, what a great night for Tucker Carlson. <laughs> if it is, why? Yeah, no, why, I, why I, I'm just sort of going up? through, I'm going through what the possibilities are. So it's 748 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, president's three minutes late. What um, if he doesn't show? The, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, that mean, that mean, that means that somebody hit the wrong email button, right? <laughs> that they had this queued up and then somebody hit the wrong email button in the White House press shop. What if the uh, VP comes out instead of her, instead of the president? Oh, boy. You, oh boy. It would be the quickest I, I, toss I, I, from I, I, you I, to I, me ever. You know, you know, Chris, maybe, maybe, you didn't, maybe you didn't hear when I said we're going to refrain from wild speculation. Um, That's the only fun this, part. That, that, well, there, there you go. Um, I... I, I I, I guess what I'm what I'm most interested in from you, and I, we had, we started this at the top of the show, right? Is that the problem? The problem for the special counsel report for the president isn't necessarily the report that really questions his mental fitness. It's what does he do about it? And I'm wondering if and you watched this for a long time. If these kinds of speeches, you think, make a difference in the public's view of the president? Yeah, I, I say yes. And look. I know President Biden uh, well. Uh, I knew his son, Bo Biden, well. And I am surprised, uh, you could argue it either way, but I'm very surprised he didn't bring back the bully pulpit. Uh, I would have if I had to speculate when he was first elected that we would hear from Joe Biden more than we'd heard from any president because it's a remarkable tool especially in the social media reality of now, uh, to have the control of where everybody is going to watch and listen to what you say and the ability to control questioning. I don't mean control the media, but you want to ask me, ask me. I thought there would have been 10 times the amount that we've seen from President Biden. A president of the United States has no better tool Leland than the ability to come and say, you elected me. I'm going to speak directly to you. Don't listen to anybody else. Well, Richard, Richard Newstadt, uh, I think he was a professor at Harvard, Lauren smiling yep. at me, if, if, I, if I have it right. He said, you know, My the power intellectual of the, grandfather. The, the, power of the, the power of the presidency is the power of persuasion. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, yeah. And the, the ability to, to speak and to have the bully pulpit, which is something he's not taking advantage of. He's, I think this, was his, this is, it would be his second primetime speech. Um, he gave one uh, a couple of months ago, uh, but that was well planned. And this one is, uh, as we've said, a surprise. Um, for all of us, just a real surprise because it's not even happening. <laughs> that's well, that's, that's that the interesting thing. I wonder why yeah, they told well, us that. Well, and time. it also goes up. You know, it also goes up to the top of the hour, right? So I'm, I, you know, all four cable networks obviously um, are are on this, and you're going to mm. have a live picture of the White House or the podium. I'm going to just ask the control room real quick: Have they taken down the shot from inside uh, the diplomatic room? Okay, so, they took so, it down. So the diplomatic reception room where. The president is scheduled to give remarks uh, is in bars. So as you pointed out, Chris, the old uh, bars and tone from the camera. Um, and then they will drop that. And at some point, then uh, the president um, will come out. I guess what? He waits to the top of the hour till eight o'clock. It is interesting. Everybody though, even in. looking at social media, the only people and it's a good reminder um, of the difference between, you know, the, the establishment and the rest of the country. The only people really. Uh, looking at what is this going to be, what is this going to be, is, is the media and insiders. You know, if you look at the list of what's trending, everybody else is still kind of focusing on every other thing that's going on uh, in the world. And other news uh, from today, I, I think that, um, you know, what, what we saw from the Supreme Court was really, really interesting today. Uh, maybe it's two in the weeds uh, for the, the, the regular American audience, but it was really interesting to hear yeah. the justices lay out what has been very obvious to you from from the beginning and looking at uh, Article, uh, you know, Section three of, uh, of the 14th Amendment. Um, I always believed it was a really it was an interesting theoretical play, but it, it doesn't really see that there's any there there in terms of why you would apply it to a president in these circumstances that they're trying to now. And that seemed to be fairly reflected from the bench. It's a pretty important argument. day. Okay. 
Yeah, we, we, we understand that the shot from the White House is still in bars. Um, so typically what will happen is they'll the, the camera crew that is there um, from the networks inside of the diplomatic reception room, they drop the bars, uh, and then you got about two minutes. Normally that's the two-minute warning for when uh, the president comes out. Uh, it was about eh, now about 30 minutes ago that the White House announced he would be addressing the nation um, at 745, uh, and he's now about th- uh, eight minutes late to that. Uh, David Drucker from the Dispatch um, is with us. David, uh, pretty. What I think is amazing is a close hold on this um, is that no one knew about this and it didn't leak. Nor did the time. Yeah, very right. And the president, of course, was moving around this afternoon. He was out in Northern Virginia talking to uh, a House Democratic retreat gathering. So House Democrats out in Leesburg um, talking policy. The president gave some remarks there. Uh, when all of this went down, and they clearly called this thing on the fly, which is unusual for them. Look, the president usually runs late, so I expect we'll see him. Um, the interesting thing here, Leland, is from a political standpoint, as I was talking to Democratic operatives after the special counsel's report was issued, uh, they weren't breathing a sigh of relief that there was no indictment. They were freaking out because of how the special counsel described President Biden, essentially saying they didn't think they could win a trial because the jury would see him as an elderly old man. And then he an elderly man who couldn't recall things. And and there's a part in the report where they were talking about things he couldn't recall. David, I'm just going to stop you. The shots back up of the diplomatic room and now the presidential podium there. So we're just a minute away or so from the president. David, thank you. We bring um, Chris back in. What I thought was most interesting about what David said um, is that there's a thought, at least in Washington, I don't know if uh, Mm -hmm. your your pulse of the the greater nation, maybe in in Democrats, that an indictment uh, by the special counsel may have politically been better um, than what was said in the report about the president's mental fitness. As long as you're comfortable with the trade-off of uh, striking another blow to one of the institutions that we need most. Um, this mm-hmm. prosecuting your political opponents is one of the most dangerous things I've seen in my 20, over 20 years of covering this. Um, it's, it's more troubling to me than pretty much anything we've cycled through. Because if you mm-hmm. lose that as uh, one of the cornerstones of your society, if people, don't ju- if people don't trust in the administration of justice on any level, what else is holding us together? Uh, so it's a very no, dicey it's- proposition. And now we're hearing that this is going to be a very short address, which to me makes it even more interesting. You know, why give such a short address? Why not say anything about it? Uh, And the nice thing about it, obviously, is that all the questions will be answered as soon as he gets up there and reveals why he did this. If he's only going to speak for five minutes, what's your what's your take on whether or not that indicates he has an intention of taking questions? That's a great point. I don't know. Um, you know, we've, we've seen President Biden both take questions when it's planned and also uh, not take questions, uh, especially when it's not planned. He sometimes likes to stick around and takes questions, much to the chagrin um, of his staff. This is the diplomatic room uh, from somebody who used to work in the White House. This is the room where the White House staff waits for the president to walk out to Marine One. It's also connected to the awning so that you, that you always see um, the president uh, exit the White House from. It's also right next to the elevator that comes down from the residence. Uh, I don't think we have anybody out front on the North Lawn. Uh, they've all, all, all the White House correspondents are used to going home uh, at about 3 or 4 o'clock, sometimes 5 o'clock, uh, as President Biden uh, is not used to staying late. And they, they typically say, say goodnight to the press around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Um, and now we wait for the president. You, you have to wonder if, 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 it, if what you're saying is it's a short address, if that is an announcement of some type national security related. Uh, You know, you think about President Obama's speech, um, which was announcing the death of Osama bin Laden. Um, It was it was long. It was an address to the nation. They had time to craft it. They had time to uh, develop it as a speech. And they knew that they were going to have this moment. The media didn't know, but they knew. This seems as though it's something that even the White House didn't know they were going to do um, until just a couple of minutes ago. Um. That is true by all indications. I mean, if it were a really serious thing, why would you say it's only going to be five minutes? Um, you know, so here's come somebody out putting a briefing book. Those, are, those are the remarks. Yeah. And it typically, just as the viewers know, as as has been done with President Biden often, um, rather than have a teleprompter there that you can see sort of the, the normal teleprompters that we're used to sort of directly back of where the camera is, either above it 
below it um, is a large TV screen um, that is the teleprompter, typically. And that's that's where he he reads his remarks from. And then there's going to be a couple of journalists arrayed around him. Go ahead, Chris. Um, just, just to state the obvious, that the more important something is, the more time it takes to explain, because uh, you don't want misunderstanding. Uh, so, you know, if, if time is any indication, then it, it shouldn't be a gobsmacking uh, event. And I think one of the reasons that was so curious is, again, to what you were saying earlier, Leland, that he doesn't do this enough. Uh, I, and I, he, he's, I think he's it's a really missed opportunity. The American people wouldn't have open questions about his fitness to the extent that they do if he talked more um, because it, it wouldn't well, be as interesting well, to speculate Chris, on. Uh, well, or, or it would answer the question. But it wouldn't right? be if an he, open talked, question is what I'm saying. Okay, we are, no, no, right. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Let me say a few things before I take your questions. As you know, the special accounts released this finding today about their look into my handling of classified documents. <clears throat> I was pleased to see he reached a firm conclusion that no charges should be brought against me in this case. This was an exhaustive investigation going back more than 40 years, even into the 1970s when I was still a new United States senator. <clears throat> the special counsel acknowledged I cooperated completely. I did not throw up any roadblocks. I sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give the special counsel what he needed I went forward with a five-hour in-person, five-hour in-person interview over two days on October the 8th and 9th of last year, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th, and I was very occupied. It was in the middle of handling an international crisis. I was especially pleased to see special counsel make clear the stark distinction and difference between this case and Mr. Trump's case. The special counsel wrote, and I quote, Several material distinctions between Mr. Trump's case and Mr. Biden's are clear, continuing to quote. Most notably, after giving multiple chances to return classified documents to avoid prosecution, Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite. According to the indictment, he not only refused to return the documents for many months, he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it. In contrast, he went on to say Mr. Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the Department of Justice, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his home, sat for a voluntary interview, and in other ways cooperated with the investigation, end of quote. I've seen the headlines since the report was released about my willful retention of documents. This, these assertions are not only misleading, they're just plain wrong. On page 215, if you had a chance, I know it's a long, it's a thick document, on page 215, the report of the special counsel found the exact opposite. Here's what he wrote. There is, in fact, a shortage of evidence that I willfully retain classified materials related to Afghanistan. 